Chapter 23, Calling and Community. Calling and Community. Before she turned in for the night, Heather stood before the painting of what she was convinced was her old home in what had been the great wood. A heaviness fell on her. Images of father, mother, and Jacks filled her mind. She imagined them all together, living in the hollow in the painting. Looking at the painter's initials, F.S., Finbar Smalls. She thought of Smalls and then of Emma, of the whole upside-down world and its million broken hearts. She wasn't sure exactly what they meant by the mended wood, but she began to long for it. She began to believe somehow that she always had been longing for it. She turned for her bed and saw that Pickett's eyes were already shut. She blew out the candles, rolled into her bed, and was asleep at once. The next day, after breakfast, they ascended the stairway to light. Pickett appeared quicker, better. At least his foot seemed better. He was getting more agile with the crutches. As for his mood, he would say almost nothing. They were astonished as the morning light filled King Whitson's garden. They walked around silently, enjoying the sun-soaked air, alive with color, a beauty they seemed to inhabit. Pickett finally sat beneath the captain of Captain Blackstar, silent and ponderous. Heather watched him for a little while, then walked back to enjoy the flowers and trees and soak in the glow of the broken light blanketing the garden. As for Heather, this interlude in light refreshed her heart, the way the restful day and night had refreshed her body. Well, mostly restful. She thought back to the mad events of early yesterday and wondered if anything would ever feel normal again. They heard noise of work from inside, the nearby octagonal building of wood and windows, light hall, she wondered what was in there. Gort told me no one's allowed in there yet, Pickett said, walking up and motioning to the building. That access to Light Hall is forbidden. He said it with a hint of accusation. That's true, Shuffler, Emma said. I don't know about saying it's forbidden, like it's a secret tomb of Landers Dragons. That's a bit dramatic, but no one's allowed in for now, except for the artisans. That's what forbidden is, Pickett said, adopting Kyle's smirk as he sat down on a bench. You know, you have a choice about how you see things, Pickett, Emma said, frowning at him. What are they doing? Heather asked. What artisans do, Emma said, making lovely things, I suppose. Why can't you answer our questions, Emma? Heather asked. I want to, Heather. I really do, she said. But the law of initiates is very important for the security of this community and that of the citadels. There has to be a period of trial. If we blab everything to every new arrival, we are setting ourselves up for betrayal. So they think we're traitors. Pickett said. Emma didn't answer immediately. She looked down, her eyebrows scrunched. I don't think you're traitors, she said. 
I call you my friends, and I trust you, even after such a short time. But this community has had to learn the hard way to be cautious with our trust. Perhaps that will be clearer soon. Heather nodded, but Pickett was still scowling. Heather squinted at Lighthall, trying to see the multicolored glass. There were breaks in the color where ordinary plain glass was featured. It looked like a long hallway leading farther in. She thought she saw a short white rabbit pass in front of a clear pane of glass. It makes sense, she thought. If it's Smalls, perhaps he's just following in his father's footsteps. She wondered how Smalls had come to be adopted by her uncle and what exactly had happened in the Great Wood. She wanted all the answers, but had gotten used to being in the dark. Somehow this garden put her at ease and helped her be patient for the unraveling of the story that she was somehow a part of, even if only in a small way. They were silent for a little while, and Heather finally joined Pickett on the bench. I could stay here forever, Heather said, sighing loud and long. But I have more to show you, Emma said, reaching for Heather's hand and pulling her up. Come on, Shuffler, she said to Pickett, as she made her way down the brick hallway, walkway. They followed her. Pickett slowed to gaze up at Captain Blackstar again before shuffling beneath the stone archway to the door. They passed through the guarded door and into the long torchlit hall corridor. After a little while, this opened into the large circular hallway with the three doors. Hallway around was busy, but no one was staying there except for the guards. These guards were at their posts by the large barrels beneath the double diamond banner, and a few others were milling around, going from one room to another. A few passing rabbits stared hard at them, shaking their heads. This unnerved Heather. Why would some be so unfriendly to her? Who were they to draw attention? She studied the barrel in the room's center. The guards each looked away as she looked at them. They seemed uneasy. The door straight ahead was opened, and a bustling rabbit with stacked baskets of bread emerged. She looked a moment away from spilling them, but somehow managed to keep them all steady. Behind her, the noise of the room that she had just left spilled into the hallway. It sounded lively in there. Does that lead outside, Heather asked, to more workers? No, and yes, Emma said. Come and see. The door guard bowed slightly to Emma and opened the door, and Emma went through. He eyed Heather and Pickett warily, but they followed Emma in. A great wall of sound meeting them as they entered. It was a massive room, deep, a deep cavern with high walls. The ceiling was a rough dome that appeared to go up forever. Heather and Pickett gaped at the dizzying size of it. The hall seemed as wide as the field beside their home in Nick Hollow, where they had spent endless hours playing Starseek. The walls were the same neatly carved rock they had grown used to at Cloud Mountain. They were lined with hundreds of torches. High above, huge windows let in wide shafts of light. Before them were hundreds of rabbits engaged in numerous crafts. 
Adding them to the fairly large numbers of rabbits they had seen outside yesterday, Heather realized that there must be several hundred living in and around Cloud Mountain. Row upon row of every kind of work imaginable was being practiced in this mountain hall. There were even... There was even a smithy in the distant corner, its pounding hammers and gasping bellows part of the chorus of noises that filled the air. The smithy was loud, but the noise mingled with the general din of the workplace, which was alive with conversation, instruction, and work. There were bookbinders, wheelwrights, fullers, bakers, carters, and many more. There was a station where a Fletcher was testing a newly made arrow on a long bow. An eager guard in green stood by, his fingers twitching with excitement. Pickett's eyes widened, and he hobbled in that direction until Emma put her hand on his shoulder. Wait, not yet. I want to show you something else. She had to lean toward Heather and Pickett to be heard over the din. We can come back and explore later. Reluctantly, Pickett turned to follow her. As he moved, still a little awkward on his crutches, his eyes took in the amazing things all around. Painters made portraits. A chandler and several apprentices tested new-made candles. A barber stitched a wound while a rabbit holding an aching tooth waited nearby. There was much more to see. The outside of the hall had hollows where a certain number of shops and workspaces were settled while the large room teemed with booths and other temporary structures. Everywhere they looked, energetic work was underway. Emma led them down a wide lane of portable booths to an open area where a group of rabbits had gathered. Lord Rake in his finest white stood by, smiling. The gathered rabbits were looking at the two who stood near him. One was a middle-aged rabbit, about Uncle Wilfred's age, a doe with kind eyes, glasses, and a bright apron. She had flowers wreathed around her high, handsome ears. The other was nearer to Pickett and Heather's ages, young and happy. They stood face to face, the young rabbit with what must be her parents right behind her, smiling and a little teary-eyed. What's this? Heather asked. It's a calling ceremony, Emma said. You see, we... But she was cut off by Lord Rake loudly clearing his throat for silence. Noise continued in the hall at large, but the area of silence grew to include the booths and shops nearest to the gathered crowds. My friends, Lord Rake said, welcome to the calling ceremony of Gloria Folds. Please attend to Mrs. Clove Holland, he said, indicating the older rabbit. The gathered rabbits cheered, and when the cheer faded, it spread to the silence further throughout the hall. Pacer, please give them the horn. Pacer, Lord Rake's cold lieutenant, walked over and handed the older rabbit a horn. She drew it to her lips and blew an ear-splitting call. This caused the entire hall to stop work. Though many could not see, the hall was laid out so that most could hear. Then Mrs. Hammond spoke. Hear me, friends. I am delighted to present my apprentice, Miss Gloria Folds. More cheers. Gloria was beaming. I have come to love this young lady, and I am delighted to welcome her into my work. 
She has shown great promise in the gardens, one of the brightest students I've had since I became gardening mistress of our community. Gloria bowed, and Mrs. Hellman returned the bow, smiling wide. We are honored, Gloria's father said, that you have a place for her. You are a credit to our community and a true herald. We are so proud of you, Gloria, her mother said to her, though loud enough for all to hear. We couldn't be prouder. You have worked hard, been filled with kindness, and we're glad to see you go to a work you love, a work that serves so many. Gloria and her parents embraced. This is the important part, Emma whispered to Heather. And many others were whispering and smiling at each other. They turned again so that garden mistress Hammond was facing Gloria. They were both smiling. And Mrs. Hammond's face grew suddenly more serious, composed. There was a sudden silence in the hall. Mrs. Hammond took a step forward and placed her right fist over her heart. I accept you, she said clearly, with solemn joy. I am accepted, Gloria said, attempting to mime Mrs. Hellman's tone. I bind you with all honor to release you better still. I am bound, Gloria said, by honor and fealty to serve you. They bowed to each other, and Lord Rake began to applause, an applause that soon enough sounded like a thunderstorm in the hall. Gloria and Mrs. Hellman embraced, and there were cheers and well wishes called as they left the hall, heading for the gardens on the village green. Emma smiled at Heather. You're so happy, Heather said. Everyone is so happy. It reminds us each of our own calling ceremony, Emma said. It reminds us that we belong. They followed Emma toward the door. On their way, they passed a potter's station where an old fat-faced rabbit was teaching three young rabbits the craft. The apprentices all appeared to be about Pickett's age. Hello, Miss Emma, the potter said, setting his wheel spinning with his foot pedal and grabbing a gob of clay. Hello, Master Ephal, Emma replied. New friends? Yes, sir, she said, putting her arm around Heather. This is Heather, and that's Pickett. Hello, Heather and Pickett, he said, adding water to his wheel. I'm Ethel Potter. Quite a ceremony, yes? They nodded. Have you come to see the options for yourself? He swept his hand dramatically over the room, slapping some clay onto his irritated students. He didn't notice. I suppose so, Heather said, trying not to laugh. I'm just showing them around for now, Emma said. They just got here. Well, be easy, friends, Ephal said. It's not that big of a deal. When you do choose and are chosen, it'll only be the career for life. Heather and Pickett looked at each other. I'm only kidding, Ephal said, closing his eyes and wheezing. He waved his hand at them dismissively, which sent a goop of goopy clay sailing over their heads. You have lots of time, and nothing is final. Still, he said, looking up and putting his hand to his chin thoughtfully, kicking his short beard in clay. Most rabbits stick with what they choose first, so it's very important to choose your work wisely. That is, 
if they can take you on. He resumed his molding of the clay, which spun up and down his fingers on the wet turning wheel. Did you choose pottery from the start, Master Ephon? Emma asked as the clay took shape beneath his steady hands. Well, no, he said, putting again his hand to his chin and lifting his eyes to the heights while his fresh clay began to spin out of control. Come to think of it, I believe it was my fourth choice. My dad didn't live to pass on his own work. His foot kept pumping and the wheel kept spinning. The wet, malformed clay slid to the edge of the wheel, threatening to fly off in a thousand directions, soaking them all in the muddy substance. His students were alarmed, but looked unsure whether they should try to intervene. One very clean, very white rabbit with a bright pink bow edged close to the wheel, but just as the clay seemed certain to flung away, Evol swept his arm out and said, But I like it quite a lot slinging mud all over the white rabbit while almost effortlessly snagging the clay from the, from the wheel's edge. He whistled as he resumed, working the clay, bearing his thumbs down in the middle, almost magically reforming the adventurous clay into a beautiful bowl. His exasperated students shook their heads and scowled, noticing them for the first time in a while, Master Ephol scolded them. What have I told you loafers about staying clean? I think Heather might be well suited for tail spinners, Emma said, nudging her friend. Heather felt a panic rise, and she looked away. Why am I so afraid of what I love to do? She is a good storyteller, Pickett said, frowning at her. Telling stories to littles is not the same as a calling, Heather said, blushing. I can think of few higher callings, Master Eval said, raising his eyebrows at Heather and motioning over to the story guild. Heather stared at the place, a large hollow, where a tall rabbit appeared to be reading from a paper as students sat listening. She longed to go in and listen, but she was afraid, and she was embarrassed to be afraid. We haven't decided what to pursue, she said. You have time, he said, smiling. His beard caked in clay. His students stood behind him, cross-armed and furious. Nice to meet you, Heather said, as Emma shooed them away. Well, one more thing, Master Evol shouted to them as they drew open the door to leave. This is a place where rabbits make and are made. You are what you do. Choose wisely, young Pickett. Choose wisely, brave Heather. Understand? Yes, sir, Heather said, nodding. The community needs you, he shouted, throwing his arms out to indicate the vast hall of busy rabbits at work. Wet clay flew everywhere. Read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter. Chapter 24, A Shame. The three friends came through the door into the round hallway, barely containing their laughter. Once out of the massive hall and out of danger of being hit with muddy clay, the laughter burst out of them like a long-awaited sneeze. 
Pickett, hobbling through the door, tripped and slid across the room, coming to a halt beside the large wooden barrel in the center of the room. When he looked up, he saw the tip of a spear. Back up, a fierce rabbit in the guard's greed said. No hint of humor in his expression. Pickett's face, which had only a second before been full of joy, now turned sour. All right, all right, he said, hobbling to his feet with Heather's and Emma's help. You don't have to be so harsh. Yes, I do, the guard said. There are traitors among us. Come away, Pickett, Heather said. Then she turned on the guard. I've never seen such rudeness, she said. It's his job, Emma said, quietly, with an apologetic look back at the guard. It's his job to be rude, Pickett asked, as they moved back into the long hallway. The wounded, angry look that had slowly begun to evaporate in the laughter of a few moments was returning. It's his job, Emma said kindly, to protect us all. Well, somehow I think there are bigger threats to Cloud Mountain than a stumbling cripple, Pickett whispered harshly. They paused inside the long corridor. The barrel, Emma said, whispering. It's blast powder. Blast powder, Heather asked. Yes, Emma explained. It's there for our defense. The guards may set fire to the blast powder if the mountain is under siege. It would blow up the hallways and the stairway, blocking the way to the village and the great hall. It's really volatile. They think it could possibly explode if the barrel is knocked over. That's why there are three guards out around, day and night. Plus, some folks don't trust outsiders. Especially, especially what, Heather asked. Well, some here don't like your uncle very much, and so they don't trust you. But that guard was just doing his job. Heather shook her head. She was sorry about the blast powder, but she didn't understand why anyone wouldn't love Uncle Wilfie. She realized for the first time that it might be costing Emma something, perhaps a lot, to be such a good friend to them. Thank you, she said to Emma, smiling gratefully and taking Emma's hands. Pick it, she said, turning to him. We should really apologize to the guard. He was only doing his job. No, was all Pickett would say as he hobbled down the hallway toward King Whitson's garden. Pickett, Emma called after him. You don't know the way. I know the way, Emma. I'm not completely helpless. I know that, Pickett, Emma said. Anyway, there's something I forgot to show I want to show you. Forget it, he said bitterly. Don't go, Heather said. But he went on, saying no more. He grunted and grumbled as he disappeared into the long hallway that led back to the king's garden. After he was gone, Heather shook her head. He'll be all right, dear Heather, Emma said, putting her arm around her friend. I hope so, Heather said, swallowing a sob. It's like I've lost him too. I've lost all my family. Well, sister, Emma said, taking Heather's face gently in her hands. You've got me now. And Pickett will come around, trust me. This place has a way of undoing the worst sort of enchantments. Believe me, I should know. What do you mean? Well, when I came here, I was very little. But at some point, I grew frustrated with my, well, my situation. About your parents, Heather asked. Yes, that exactly, Emma said. Her eyes moving 
through the third door in the round room. But I had some help. Lord Rake? Well, yes and no, Emma said. He was what I was mainly angry about. I got it into my head that my parents had wanted to keep me, but that he had somehow stolen me instead of rescuing me. I wondered if they were good rabbits who wished for something else for me. They weren't good, Heather asked. I suppose so, but I don't know, Emma said. But that's not the point. I had no reason to doubt Lord Rake, and he was a good guardian to me. He had saved my life, this much I knew. Even if I knew, and still know, little else. Secrets stay hidden here for a long time. What changed your mind, Heather asked. Emma looked back at the third door. Maggie Osage. Who was that? Follow me, Emma said, dragging Heather back into the hallway round and toward the unguarded third door. She put her finger to her lips, and Heather was silent. Emma opened the door, and Heather followed her in. Pickett was getting good at fuming. As he clopped on his crutches down the long hallway toward King's Garden, he let all the feelings of resentment, angerness, and bitterness wash over him like a waterfall of self-pity. It was actually quite pleasant in an ugly way. He was sick and tired of being treated like a useless, pathetic, falling infant. Of course, when he thought about babies, he remembered Jack's. The sudden surge of sadness only joined the chorus of miseries, all singing the song of how badly he had it and how unfair everything was. First, the humiliating failures at Nicolo, where he gave away their position to the wolves, causing them to be chased and nearly killed over and over. Then the unbearable aloofness of Smalls, who deigned to order him around and had the gall to actually pick him up and rescue him at Decker's Landing, when he could easily have done it himself. For the moment, Pickett fought away the voice of conscience, giving a different version of events in his mind, and he stubbornly focused on how unjust it had all been. Images of Smalls talking down to him, giving him orders, and rescuing Heather were all ingredients in a steaming, frothing kettle of fury that was ready to boil over. He came to the doorway leading back to the sunlit king's garden, teeth gritted. He knocked loudly, but there was no answer. He knocked again, still nothing, so he tried the door himself, but it would not open. He was furious. He just wanted to get to his room and lie down on his bed and try to forget everything. Open this door, he shouted. There was no reply. Finally, he raised one of his carefully fashioned crutches and smashed it against the wooden door. The door held firm, but the crutch shattered showering the torch-lit hallway with splintered shards. The door opened then, and in no time at all, Pickett was taken to the ground, and a sword was at his throat. Behind him, a spear was leveled at his head. Squinting up, he saw that the spear belonged to the guard who had threatened him beside the blast powder, blast powder barrel. The guard must have heard the noise and rushed down the corridor. Now, Pickett's anger turned to deeper embarrassment. How could things get any worse? He looked through the doorway and he saw Smalls looking in at him. What have you done this time, lad? Read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter.